think that movie had one headlight. <laughs> what? Oh my gosh. Okay. What? It wasn't well lit. The characters were lit, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, but okay. <clears throat> so that bad <laughs> joke means one thing. That means Mustachio is back, and this is screen fix with the, the sh- chat jokes. <laughs> with the what jokes? The chat jokes. What is that? Is that something you did in your pants? What is that? Struggling for words, but that's a derivation, I believe, of shitty, right? <laughs> like past tense. Yeah. Yeah, like that. <laughs> you did. You, you're right now. Actually, well, it's present tense because you're shatting like all over joke. the, the yeah, beginning the of this show. <laughs> so anyway, the show that is getting shat upon is Screen <laughs> Fix, the show where we will fix a recent film. I am host JC. With me, as always, is the co-host that carries the show. Lady Juan, say hi to everybody. Hello, everyone. And, of course, OG co-host, Mustachio, Mustachio, say hi to everybody and how have you been? Hey everybody, I'm, I've been good. It's quarantine's weird. Yes, it's, it is. It's it's so weird, but coronavirus. I've been actually getting to write a little bit more and Ooh. and do a little bit more Criterion. Oh, um, oh that's right. You, uh, <laughs> you cry tearsy on oh, I, I watching Criterion. Criterion. Yes, so. <laughs> I have assembled the OG team here today to discuss a film that is semi-autobiographical, starring a comedian who has been on SNL for longer than I thought when I looked it up. I was like, really? Wow. Like, something like six years or five years? Like some, some ridiculous amount of time. It is about him growing up in Staten Island. His father was a firefighter who passed away in 9-11. He dates sought-after Celebrity females such as Ariana Grande, Kate Beckinsale. That's a spectrum. Yeah. I mean, and Kaya Gerber. I guess he likes brunettes. So his tastes all over the map. Uh, What else could we be talking about? Who else could we be talking about? Pete Davidson and the Judd Apatow directed King of Staten Island. I like your tattoos. What are those numbers on your arm? Oh, that's uh, the date my dad died. He was a fireman. Died in a fire 17 years ago. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Don't be, it's fine. Knock, knock. Who's there? Not your dad. (laughs) You can't focus on Scott anymore, honey. He's 24 years old, Marjorie. Let that fucking bird fly, please. Don't worry, Mom. I know your daughter got smart and went to college and abandoned us. But I'm still here. I'm gonna be here forever. Yeah. I want to become a real tattoo artist. Your work is mad and consistent. Obama ain't right. Oh, I love your tattoos. This is my favorite. I've been dating someone for a little while now. The first guy you date in 17 years is a fireman just like that? You don't think that's weird? You're going to have to pull your weight a little more around here. Maybe help Ray get his kids to school. Kelly, do you know him? He's a new friend. You okay? You know, you could tell me. I'm okay. Oh, I trained her in the car. She's not going to break. Do you ever think about putting on the jacket? Why would you even ask me that? What's wrong with being a fireman? It's fine if you don't have kids, because you don't know if you're going to come home or not, and then your kids are fucked up. You make everyone around you feel crazy. People are normal, then they hang out with you, and then they're fucking Jack Nicholson in The Shining or something. i got to tell my mom you tried to drown me. To the fuck around pool, you're like fucking eight feet tall. 
And let me tell you something, your dad was a hero. And heroes are necessary. And they should be allowed to have families. You gotta get your shit together. Time is passing by very quickly. Why do you think I smoke weed all the time? So I can slow it down. I feel like everybody's always disappointed in me and I never live up to anybody's expectations. Hey, thanks for listening to all this. You're one of the few people who treat me, you know, like a person. You're welcome. So, The King of Staten Island is starring Pete Davidson, also Marissa Tomei, Bill Burr, Belle Powley, Maude Apatow, and, uh, yeah, some other people. Oh, uh, Steve, Steve Buscemi! Some other people. How dare you? Steve Buscemi sneaks in there with his weird eyeballs. <laughs> He's got Steve Buscemi eyes. It's a semi-autobiographical take on uh, the life of Pete Davidson. He grew up in Staten Island and lost his father at an early age, who was a firefighter. Um, lost him in the 9-11 attack. And uh, yeah, so this is has... Winks and nods to that. It was directed by Judd Apatow, the comedic juggernaut. The The last thing he directed was, was it Trainwreck? I don't know. He's just been hanging out in the background of Iris's TikTok. I, who's Iris? <laughs> His daughter. How the many other daughters one. does he have? Two. They both look exactly like Leslie Mann. Good for them. Yeah, yes, that's actually very fortunate. <laughs> could have gone I, the wrong way. Instead, they're good. Yeah, uh, this is his first major uh, film that he has directed. Uh, he directed some uh, TV episodes, the show Love on Netflix. But yeah, this is his first major feature since Trainwreck, and that was 2015. So, yeah, But uh, he's back doing kind of the same thing he did with Trainwreck, which is taking mm-hmm. a, a comedian, up-and-coming comedian, and uh, giving them a vehicle to shine. Does Pete Davidson shine? We'll talk about it. I want to know, though, from you guys, are you a fan of Apatow? Are you a fan of his work? Do you think that he is a comedic genius? Uh, What do you think about Judd Apatow and his oeuvre of work? Uh, Lady One, why don't you go first? I hate the word oeuvre. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like... A genital. It sounds like something that's internal inside your body. And it, yeah, like it sounds like something place. you need to pass. Ugh, I don't. It's not good. I don't like it. it makes you feel weird. Um, I like some Judd Apatow movies. I don't really know how much of what I enjoy about his films is squarely because of him. I loved Heavyweights, which was his first movie. I watched <laughs> the shit out of that when that I was, was a kid. Isn't that uh, the like the fat camp and has Ben yes. Stiller in it, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, Ben Stiller is so good in that movie. Attention campers, lunch has been canceled today due to lack of hustle. Deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those poor kids. <laughs> he makes some good things and he makes some good things that I have problems with even as I enjoy them. So I think my biggest criticism with him is that he doesn't seem to grow in any way, shape or form as a director or writer. He's just like, what? My stuff's funny. And he doesn't listen to any criticism about his work. <laughs> he just is like, what? It's fine. Yeah. 
There, <laughs> I think, I think almost every review of a movie that he's done, I think after Forty Year Old Virgin has been, uh, I think, uh, self indulgent has been a word hmm. used in all, in a lot of reviews. Speaking of Fat Camp, uh, Mustachio, uh, mm-hmm. your your um, your feelings on Judd Apatow and the films of Judd Apatow, his his canon, his body of work. <laughs> yes, yes, I um, you know, I like what I've gotten to know and understand about auteurs and how they can leave their mark. Uh, but I think with his body of work, I mean, I look at his stuff and I, and I've seen you know, a few of them, uh, and I don't see anything there that really uh, has something to say. He's not saying anything that significant with his stuff. It's just that, you know, there'll probably be a scene that's really funny, but that doesn't mean the whole movie is really funny. And and usually it's funny because of the caliber of people that he chooses to work with. Yeah. I think his films tend to leave you with a feeling of like, uh, a lot of meandering with no ending. This I that's, think that's one of the problems with, with Apatow, like, in general like he gets away with some of this this style of like just let the camera roll and we'll let the the people in the movie improv until there's something funny to use and but i think he gets away with that because usually the subject of his movies are these like men in arrested development like these directionless slobs who are like surrounded by stoner friends and weirdos now i think the problem with with apatow is with people that are inspired to do that same kind of filmmaking and do it poorly. I think of anything that is Ben Falcone and Melissa McCarthy. And the, uh, maybe one of the worst was uh, Paul Feig, who is part of that whole a- Apatow group, worked on Freaks and Geeks with Judd, infamously directed the Ghostbusters reboot. And that's the same thing, improv comedies. But the 80s improv comedies were very different. Uh, they were talented people, but they were different sorts of movies. 80s improvisational comedy was about fuck the man, screw rich kids, screw the government, screw cops, private screw, school. screw the military, screw private school kids. So, And they were like wacky, and usually the, the improv was at the expense of or throwing shine at authority figures. Whereas Apatow is like, I'm going to make a movie about getting old getting accidentally pregnant guy whose father died like this is not improv material you know those are my feelings on apatow and kind of his his body of work and his legacy yeah anyway so moving on pete davidson what is your opinion on pete davidson lady one so i don't really watch snl because i don't have cable i really felt like i knew him more from just the internet telling me about his comments on ariana grande's instagram more than anything else (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, just straight up a much bigger ari fan than pete davidson fan like my spotify recap for 2019 was hamilton and ariana grande that was all of my top listen to (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's very embarrassing do you did you like her song called pete davidson (laughs) it's it's an interlude it's fine okay um i guess he was like an interlude in her life lewd is the right word but i watched his stand-up special that was on netflix and i thought it was really funny and i think the thing that inexplicably beautiful women find attractive about him is that he's just so honest about everything wrong with him. Yeah. So you, you <laughs> think his honesty is what 
makes all these young and much older women uh, drawn to him, huh? Yeah. Can, can imagine him, though, in, in bed. You'd be like, sorry, I have a piece of salad in my mouth from my lunch today. Sorry about that. Oh, and I didn't shower, so maybe watch out downstairs. Oh, oh, uh, do you think that's how that that, that would go? Yes, most definitely. <laughs> you should apologize for that one. What? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, Pete Davidson, Mustachio, what do you think? I like him. I don't know. There's like a, a nervous genuineness to his performances. Yeah, he's definitely not pretending to be anybody he's not. But also, he's an actor. So, like, <laughs> yeah. kind of part of the job. <laughs> but he's yeah. like, no, I'm still going to be really honest about who I am. He's so like, I'm going to play myself. I'm not going to turn it off. <laughs> That's probably why he still constantly talks about how shocked he is that he's even still on SNL. So, uh, as far as Pete Davidson goes, I think he is fine. I actually like when he's allowed to be a little bit goofier like his small cameo in Trainwreck or when he is in a sketch on 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 SNL and he's allowed to just like let his goofiness out. He's almost like a little better in another movie that just came out, Big Time Adolescence. Oh, his, yeah? yeah, he's allowed to be more of a, a character and more of a goof in that. And I actually kind of enjoyed him uh, more in that movie. All right, so let's talk about this one. This one was supposed to be theatrical at first they released it vod there was some crazy mix-up with drive-in theaters they told the drive-in movie theaters that they can't show it like without really communicating that to them they got mad but this thing landed vod lady Juan, do you have some fresh hot stats yeah so obviously no theatrical release everybody's stuck at home But the weekend it was released, it was number one on Apple TV, Vudu, Google Play, iTunes, Amazon Prime, YouTube, like literally everything that keeps track. It was the number one movie, except for Netflix, obviously, because it wasn't on Netflix. So, yeah, it kind of seems like everyone watched it. Wow, for Pete's sake. Mm -hmm. You're only allowed one of those, so Mm -hmm. I hope that was worth it. (laughs) (laughs) So... Uh, it's not like Extraction, which we did, which is the episode before this one where everybody saw it because it was free. But I did throw this one out in a couple different social groups <laughs> that I uh, frequent. Uh, and they You mean uh, you asked your friends if they saw it? But more than one. I have more than <laughs> one group of friends. Thank you. And uh, and some coworkers. Social group, and some please. people that are just people. Just coworkers. Use people on the street? They're not on the streets. You can't just. Were you just like out there? You can't just talk to people on the streets these days. You can if you you have a mask on. You're six feet away. It sounds. Will you be in my social group? It gets hot. It gets hot under there. On your balcony, just yelling at passerby, (laughs) walking their dog. Like, did you see King of Staten Island? Hey, did you see King of Staten Island? I don't think it helps if you do it as Pete Davidson. Okay. No, uh, but I asked, and uh, a lot of them were like, "Oh, I haven't seen that yet." But I want to. So there was a lot of but I want to. So, you know. Well, that was worth it. People want to <laughs> see Pete Davidson on Meandering Like an Apatow movie. Terrible. <laughs> that was a long way to go. Movie dead you get to. Some people wanted to Sorry, see Sorry, I really Apatowed that. Uh, okay. <sighs> We're Apatowing this episode. Apatow. <laughs> We are appetizing the hell out of this. Okay. Except for I'm a more brutal editor than he is, so. 
This will be shorter than an Apatow movie. That's what Apatow needs. He needs a brutal editor. I'm available. I'm not the Apatow stand-in here. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. All right, so. So the people who did see the movie and the critics who did see the movie, it's 70% fresh with an audience score of 89%. You know what? I think everyone has a decent amount of praise for Pete Davidson. I think there's a lot less praise for the movie as as a whole definitely just like shows all of apatow's you know blemishes the critics consensus is the king of staten island's uncertain tone and indulgent length blunt this coming of age dramedy's ability to find itself but pete davidson's soulful performance holds it together indulgent there it is that old apatow Mm. review word so before we start fixing i'm gonna go ahead and read a plot summary movie Pooper. Wiping away the excess, here is your one-pinch summary. Scott Carlin has resigned himself to being a pot-smoking slacker after the death of his firefighter father, Stan. He wants to be a tattoo artist and goofs off with his friends while giving a hard time to his mom, Margie, and sister Claire. After Claire goes to college and Margie starts dating another firefighter named Ray, Scott is forced to make changes. Scott doesn't get along with Ray at first, but Margie makes Scott help walk Ray's kids to school. He ends up bonding with them. He tries to get dirt on Ray from his ex-wife, Gina, which leads to them fighting and causes Margie to kick both of them out. After none of his friends will take him in, Scott swallows his pride and apologizes to Ray. He spends his time at the firehouse with Ray and his buddies. Scott bonds with them, and he and Ray get to know each other better and see how much good the other one does. Margie sees that they have gotten better, and she lets Scott go back home while resuming her relationship with Ray. Scott also decides to pursue a real relationship with his friend Kelsey after spending most of the movie just hooking up with her. That's how that quick review ends uh it definitely misses some things like his friends getting arrested and some stuff like that but you know a lot of that was filler anyway okay so before we fix a lot of people work on a movie movies involve massive amounts of time and talent let's be nice to these people let's give them their due before we just fix their hard work lady one what is one thing that you liked about the king of staten island marissa tomeg she's gold she's a dream She's a treasure. She's who I want to be when I grow up. So we watched this with some friends and we so thoroughly enjoyed Marissa Tomei in this movie that we made it a Marissa Tomei double feature when we watched My Cousin Vinny afterwards. What? Yeah. (laughs) Dang. She's a national treasure. She's amazing. Oh, yeah. You blend. (laughs) Stashy poo. What is one thing you liked about The King of Staten Island? I liked the casting. And there were some laughs. I, I definitely did laugh at some stuff. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm having a hard time remembering what they were. I think it was some of him and Ray's <laughs> back and forth. Yeah. Their dialogue together, I felt like, was so antagonistic at times. It was hilarious. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go uh, right along with that because what does Judd Apatow do best? Gets really talented, wonderful performers to be in his movies to carry his indulgent material. So my favorite performance in this movie was by Belle Powley, which is the Kelsey, uh, the love interest, the one that he's sleeping with and she wants to be a little bit more or whatever. First of all, I thought her performance was fantastic. Uh, The emotion that she displayed, her character was great. I thought her accent was good. I can't really tell. You grew up closer to that Staten Island stuff. (laughs) Lady one. Was her yeah. accent all right? Yeah, yeah, she did great, especially considering the fact that she's British. She's British. She is the daughter what? of British. Yes. Yeah. She's the daughter of British actor Mark Powley. She was born in Shepherd's Bush, London. <laughs> 
not Sheep's Head Bay. I also just want to give one quick shout out to uh, Bill Burr, who I also thought did a great job. And he, in some interviews, talked about how kind of like how he had like imposter syndrome for for real having to act opposite marissa tomei and the rest of the cast he's not he doesn't consider himself an actor his interview was i thought very humble he's just uh, he seemed like a great guy might not be might find out he masturbates in front of people like louis ck who knows but for now you can't judge all gingers <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> oh. Mustachio. Mustachio. I don't know why I'm thanking her. I only have a red beard. I'm only half ginger. <laughs> All right. So those are some things that we liked about the movie, mostly the casting. But uh, what do you say we fix this movie? What do you say? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Fix it. Lady one. Why don't you give us your first fix? We've already started to get into this. This movie is two hours and 16 minutes long. There's easily 30 minutes we can cut here. So just to get specific about one thing we could cut, I hated the entire botched robbery. I felt like the stakes were too high to fit in line with the rest of the comedic feel of the movie. And Mm -hmm. they escalated from just like slackers hanging out on the beach to full-blown criminals in a way that didn't feel natural at all. Like they're supposed to be in their mid-20s. They're not 18 or 19 making their first stupid adult decision. Yeah, It just didn't fit with the general vibe of the movie. It bummed me out that he kind of ruined his friends' lives and like they don't even come back to it and address that with any real solution. They're just in jail for the rest of the movie. Like, bye. Yeah. (laughs) And like I spent the rest of the movie just worrying about his friends. And I was like... (laughs) Oh my god, like he really wrecked their lives. And and he's just like whining about having gotten kicked out of his mom's house. Like I don't I I hated that whole side plot. Mm. It really felt like it did not belong there. I want I want it all gone. Take it yeah, away. It, it doesn't like achieve any of the goals that I think it's trying to, which is Mm-mm. like if you really want to see some change, have Scott also get arrested but on like a lesser charge because he was just a lookout or something you know but he have him get in big trouble too he gets off with nothing yeah, like he, yeah. He, and and watches all his friends go to jail yeah and then he goes to visit his friend in jail and is like can i stay at your place like yeah. no hi i know i basically got all of you i'm the reason jail, you're here but hey what's up can i sleep on your couch like what what yeah, yeah. no it just it didn't need to happen It was so odd. Like that moment is supposed to turn his life around or or be some big moment, but it doesn't at all in Mm -mm. the the film, plot wise. He's still a giant jerk after it. So why even send his friends to jail? There's there's, there's a lot to be stricken from this and you'll appreciate the character more. You'll, You'll feel like there's more growth if he actually learns something instead of just going from scene to scene like y'all been talking about i would also just i would have taken out the college party scene as well does absolutely nothing except add to the runtime mustachio og why don't you give us your first fix his artwork i felt (laughs) like i felt like there's something to fix there because yes he makes bad tattoos on his friends, and all of them are like, "Yeah, no, they're good." And then they let him know, like, "Hey, for seriously, like, I, I I'm not happy with this." I, I get it that he wants to do the tattoo shop, the Ruby Tattoos Days, and <laughs> and that like he wants something. He wants to get a job at a tattoo parlor. He wants to show people in his life that that's what he's serious about and passionate about. But he shows that not at all, other than just tattooing his friends poorly and looking for more people. 
But as the mm. tattoo artist that he met says, he doesn't know the basics. Yeah. So what I would do is I would use that scene that where his sister gives him paint set to more advantage by him actually using that to to learn the basics. And then by the time yeah. you get to the scene where Harold has like the too good of an Iceman drawing for him. <laughs> and he also tells Ray that he, I've been practicing a lot. And he's like, yeah, that was really good. Will you do some on me on my back? Well, I wanted that, like, I've been practicing a lot to actually be, sh- like, shown to us. Because yeah. otherwise, it's just back to, like, the shitty tattoos on, on Ray's back. It's like, oh, man, I didn't know whether to cringe during that scene Oof. or to laugh. Because it's like, I, Marissa Tomei's <laughs> reaction was yes. scary. It's like, mm. I, was she scared for him <laughs> in no real world does ray let him no. draw that stuff on him <laughs> like in no, no. real world let him, at like, all he... and then there was just the one absolutely super great tattoo like just like the drawing of the the comic book character which is suddenly awesome there's all these crappy tattoos and then that one that's awesome of of the family on the back of the family and it's like what Where's the consistency here? Yeah. yeah I wanted but, there yeah. to be consistency for the artistry. You're right. I would have liked that because it would have made me feel like, yes, he has come a long way. He has been practicing. I can see that. Mm-hmm. They didn't just have meaningless scenes. They actually showed him, you know, putting in his due diligence to become a tattoo artist and to reach this potential. And I actually love that yeah. you fixed one of like those Apatow hanging plot points, which is like the sister gives him a gift of an art set. If you introduce that mm-hmm. in the movie, you do something with the art set. Mm-hmm. Like, do something with it. Or, you know, maybe it would have been great, too, to, like, actually show some kind of progression on Ray's back if you're going to go with the back. Like, like <laughs> yeah. Mr. Tomei sees these terrible tattoos on the top of his back, <laughs> and as you traverse down <laughs> his back, they get better yeah, and better. Yeah. You know, just okay. something like that. And then, like, the hit, like the finest piece of his artwork is on his butt cheek. There you go. Yeah. A metaphor for artwork that has been inside, uh, saving him from falling into the the black hole, the pit of despair. That's deep. That's the deepest <laughs> I've ever talked about a butthole. Um, so I don't I don't think that's is true. It though? So <laughs> <laughs> neither one of us believe yeah. that. We both called him out <laughs> on that like, one. <laughs> like. Uh. JC, what's hey. your first fix? The sister kind of gives what should be the arc for Pete Davidson in the beginning of this movie. His sister asks him to give mom a break when she leaves. And he's mm. like, when am I going to get my break? And she says that everyone cares about him and coddles him. And she asks when he's going to get his shit together. Basically, I, she says something like, you're my older brother. You're supposed to look out for me. And she says that every second I'm away from you, I worry about you. That's what you do to people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what I needed from this movie is for him to grow to be that person that they stop worrying about. Who has his act together enough to where the sister can go to college and not worry about it. In fact, this movie could have ended with uh, him visiting the sister or the sister visiting him. And they have a moment where she realizes that he's, he's changed from this speech and she can go back to school, not worrying about mom or him. Some of that is just giving him something to do at the end that shows that he's changed rather than just, kiss Bell Powley and say I love you go kill it at your interview 
it's funny because mine kind of goes with the tattoo stuff as well. I actually take it in a little bit of a different direction. So he's terrible at tattoos, but they they introduce uh, in the movie Ray's kid, and the kid draws some superhero, Ice Flash. Towards the end of the movie, of course, you also talked about Mustachio, that he draws a really good version of Ice Flash. And I think, you know, if you want to mirror Davidson's life and have a substitute for him seeking stand-up comedy as an outlet, have it be drawing and have it be drawing superheroes because you introduce the concept of drawing superheroes with the sun. And also, literally what his dad did for a living was superhero-like. Scott hates firefighters, the superhero life. He even tells the other firefighters that they shouldn't have kids. Mm-hmm. And in the end, he goes back to accepting that his father was a superhero and draws superheroes. And Mustachio said, uh, instead of having him just randomly going over to the city, you know, to give Kelsey some company on the way to her interview, I want to have him enrolling in some kind of art class or having an interview with somebody about some of the things that he's been drawing lately that he met through his fight club uncle or something and they can't talk about it because nobody talks about restaurant fight club or (laughs) you know just something that shows more of an actual turnaround and he's going to be all right and you know it might be a little bit cheesy to have him draw superheroes and talk about his dad the firefighter as a superhero but i think in this case it would fit i think you can do it without being cheesy yeah and i think that that would have been a a little more of an an arc and i definitely would have brought back the sister being able to go back to school not worrying about him so that is my first fix for the king of staten island that's good. All yeah. right. I mean, this movie focuses so much on like the the tattooing and the the drawing, the distractions. It's aimless. If if we've used a word that describes this, I think it's aimless. Yep. There's a lot of aimlessness in here. And you can't be aimless with a tattoo. Mustachio, do you have a tattoo? I do. Tell it to us. <laughs> Tell it to us. <laughs> well, along with Ray, I also have a large back piece. Can you show it to us, please? Can I take the shirt off for you? I don't think. Just hold on. Move, move. Turn around. Hold on. Okay. Back to this. Oh, (laughs) lady one. Do you you see this? Do you see this? It's impressive. Wow. (laughs) Wow, bulbous. Yeah, it's a. It leaves you speechless. I get it. I mean, it's (laughs) it's uh, it's it's there to impress. It's sexual and violent. It's never been called that, but thank you. (laughs) That is praise. Lady Wan, I know you got another fix because we talked about this ahead of time and you know you need more than one. Yeah. yeah. It's a part of part of the preparation process. Yes. And I am nothing if not a consummate professional. Um, For damn sure. <laughs> so Scott tells his sister Claire that she is not damaged by her dad dying because she's too young to remember him. Oh. And later, he yells at his mom for not dating anyone since his father and points out that it's weird that she's dating another firefighter, which, like, yeah, honestly, that is kind of weird. But she only met him because you tattooed his kid. So, like, maybe <laughs> that's on you. <laughs> yep, yep. So I know it's Scott's story. But to dismiss the two other people who are directly affected by the same loss that drives his entire character arc seems completely ridiculous. Yeah. So he forms this relationship with Burr's character. It makes Bill Burr better. It makes Pete Davidson better. They both sort of like grow up a little bit through this relationship. But like, 
while there's not time or space for Claire and Margie to go through their own growth, like to not even acknowledge the perspective that Scott has on how it's not affected them is ridiculous. They both experienced a loss and he's self-centered and flawed, but the movie kind of just lets him get away with that perspective of it. Mm -hmm. And they don't even question it. So to fix this, there's a couple of things you can do. So when he's arguing with Claire, she should, you know, clap back at him that she had to go through her whole life without a father. And the only consistent male figure in her life is an apathetic man child. Like, where where is Claire's pointing out that that he's wrong? And why can't Margie explain to him the just sheer amount of loneliness she's had in her life being without a partner for the past 13 years? It's one thing for Scott to only be focused on Scott, but it's another for the movie to just let him get away with that being just the way it is they need to argue with him and point out how wrong he is it kind of feels like by not having them combat his assessment that the movie is like yeah it was way harder for him than anybody else damn that is good lady one that makes me think like (laughs) the usage of like uh, him going to the party at college maybe at the end of the night instead of that 40 seconds of college thinking time you could actually use that as like him realizing like what she's saying and the weight of not having a father in her childhood yeah. and what's that done to her. You could yeah. you could have used that to where he's realizing, wow, I'm, I'm actually starting to listen to these people that I care about. You're right. He's so self-absorbed that you really needed, like, you know, two scenes. One where he realizes that you're absolutely right. The mother and the sister are equally as affected. It's not all about him. Mm-hmm. Yep. He yeah. needed that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell him he's not he's not the only one who went through some shit. He's just the only one who can't get out of it. Yeah. Damn. That's a good line. Dang. Oh, my God. That should have been Marissa's line right mm-hmm. there. Toe May. Boom. That would have toe made the movie for me. <laughs> Lay it toe on me. What? <laughs> oh, fuck. I thought that, that sounded better in my head. No. Have we swapped? Am I you now? I, th- I think it's... Uh, I'm Mustachio. Mm-hmm. It's ever since you took my shirt off, I'm like... <laughs> it's like now... Well, I, I still have it. It's. <laughs> do you want it back? I honestly... Why do you still have it? Why is that something we're addressing? He's been like brushing it against his face and just like sniffing it occasionally. It's really weird. <laughs> yeah. Mustachio, fix two just for you. Here's your shirt, by the way. Put this back on. Oh, thank you. His arm's stuck. Your head doesn't go in the sleeve. Almost. Okay. All right, go. Fix number two. All right. My second fix has a lot to do with what we've been talking about with his lack of growth and lack of change. Um, So I wanted him to stop playing the loser card. You know, there needed to be that change. So if he's still wanting to live at home at 24 and and if he is going to help walk the kids to school getting to know the firefighters how i kind of wanted him to find out more about personally how they feel you know as as family men and not just you know over you know steve buscemi having like that one session with him (laughs) i wanted that real effort to get to know these guys to be what kind of helps him grow up a little where do you think was a, like a, a a good time for him to show that that growth? The firehouse. I mean, firehouse. like the, I felt like maybe there could have been a bit more there with the firehouse scenes, other than just practical jokes and scrubbing the truck. Do you think he should have become a firefighter or gone to firefighter school or something in this movie? No, not entirely. I I, I wanted it to 
you know, stay authentic to what Pete Davidson would have wanted in, in a character. And, and all the while, I would have had him drawing, maybe even tattooing some of the other guys at the place. But he totally could have designed, like, a tattoo for the guys at that station, and then oh, they all yes. get it. Yes, that's that's a great point. Why not? Oh, my God. I love when fixers unite in an yes. ultimate fix. That is... It's is like it? Captain Planet. Yes, that is excellent. By our powers, like Voltron <laughs> over here, we just became oh. Fixtron. That's good shit, Lady One. <laughs> Can't keep my shirt, but uh, we want to know what your fix is. Okay, you want my final fix? Take that shirt off again. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, okay, here we go. Um, all right, my final fix is this. I don't understand why this had to be a semi-autobiographical take on Pete Davidson. It's been shown that you can make an outstanding autobiographical piece starring yourself in the form of M- Mustachio Lady Want. Have you seen Howard Stern's Private Parts? Long time no, ago. I haven't seen it. That mo- that movie's great. It's Howard Stern act- acting in it as himself, and he does such an outstanding job, and the movie's hilarious, and I feel like this could have been some of the same because, honestly, Pete Davidson's actual life is so much more interesting than this movie. I don't know why we needed to dance around some of the trickier parts of his life because they're pretty much being dealt with head on in this movie scott's 24 and living in staten island in his in his mom's basement Uh, davidson does live in his mom's basement Mm -hmm. but it's of course tricked out with video game machines and everything else he's rich but uh (laughs) pete davidson by the age of 20 was already on snl 20 years old a kid and before he even was on SNL, he was on uh, an MTV series called Philosophy. He was in this uh, MTV2 reality series called Guy Code. In uh, 2013 also, he did his first televised stand-up on Comedy Central. He has had so much success so young. I mean, imagine being 20 years old and on like a show that's basically a comedy star maker. Yeah, his real life is so much more interesting. That, I mean, this movie could have ended with him landing SNL and that first time that he gets included in a sketch. Can you imagine him like mm-hmm. walking out on onto the stage, looking up, seeing the lights and then the movie ends instead of like skirting around the issue? You could have shown him struggling with this stuff while also having wild success at a young age. Mm-hmm. I even like the story of him in Staten Island. Apparently, the first time he ever tried stand-up comedy, he was 16 years old, and he tried it in a Staten Island bowling alley where <laughs> they they dared him to do some stand-up at this uh, uh, bowling alley. And he, you know, smoked some weed and got up there and did his first stand-up. That would have been an awesome scene. You can play yourself in your own biopic with a humble nature a good sense of humor about yourself his whole brand of humor is self-deprecating brutally honest and that would have lent itself so well to this kind of autobiographical material i feel like this movie would would have been better if it had just been a real autobiography of pete davidson yeah mm-hmm. it's kind of pretty crazy story i just feel like it's so much more fascinating yeah and it at least goes somewhere and it goes where it's it's leading towards something. I think that could have been a good a good fix for the King of Staten Island. Boom. Boom is right. Ooh, yeah.
All right, so I think without further ado, we should consider the king of Staten Island, Screen Ruby tattoos, tires. Uh, so do you have a final thought when it comes to the king of Staten Island, Lady One? Yeah, um, Bill Burr was awesome in this, but I just don't know what that facial hair was. Like, why <laughs> was he channeling the guy from Mythbusters? I don't <laughs> understand why it had to happen. Busters. Yeah, it's bust. It's totally busted. It was incredibly. He should have wore a beret too. <laughs> that yeah. is hilarious. Mustachio, do you have a final thought on the King of Staten Island? Can we address the fact that they spoke over Game of Thrones? Like, they weren't even really watching it. <laughs> they, were, they weren't even paying attention. Yeah, How can you talk over Game of Thrones? It's, yeah, like, impossible. Yeah, I was, I was like, I, I've got qualms with this. <laughs> All right, so my final thought has to do with Belle Powley's character. So she wants staten island to be the next williamsburg yeah so basically she wants like rich white hipsters to move in and drive rent prices up so her own friends can't live there anymore and then years later have condos get built for manhattanites looking to start a family across the water Mm -hmm. that's uh that's what kelsey wants for staten island yeah yeah well she she was only gonna take the test to become a city planner so (laughs) she'll learn some things yeah (laughs) <laughs> I mean, they already do have a zoo, so... Gotta be a city planner. <laughs> Gotta start somewhere. How do they not go to the zoo once? Isn't, isn't the Staten Island Zoo like the most famous thing there? No, it's the dump. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Well, the Staten Island dump the is bump. the most famous thing there. Yeah. They do address, the dump, they, then the ferry. They do address the dump, though, right? They do. Yeah. You can see it from space. <laughs> It's definitely the dump, then the ferry, and then I guess maybe third is the zoo. But right now, honestly, third might be Pete Davidson. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so why don't you send us home, Lady One? You can reach us here at the show by sending an email to ScreenFixPod at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook, search for ScreenFixPodcast, and we're on Twitter and Instagram at ScreenFixPod. You can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Basically anywhere you can find podcasts. And we would absolutely love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Yeah, do it. Give me five stars, please. Yeah, we work hard. We work hard for the money that we don't make. (laughs) (laughs) All right, why don't we... We also have a Patreon account. uh, So if you want to donate, you can if you like us that much. So, um, (laughs) all right, so why don't we leave everybody with the Bill Burr line, look both ways... In that way that only Bill Burr can say it. I'll go ahead and go first. Here we go. Wait, can I do Pamela Adlon doing it? Yeah, sure. You're, are you trying to you're trying to stretch as a performer? I see. I gotta find the range, man. Okay. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> all right, well, I'm going to do Bill Burr. Here we go. Look both ways! Look both ways! <laughs> I think that had a little bit of Ernie from Sesame Street in it. but Honestly, I kind of liked it. <laughs> Just picture the hands. Okay. <laughs> all right, Lady One, go. Look both ways. Look both ways. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Who is this actress again? And what do you know her from? Pamela Adlon? Yeah. Originally Life with Louis. That's how I know her. Nice. Okay. Do the Pamela Adlon version of that same line. Look both ways. Look both ways. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. She was kind of raspy, wasn't she? Okay. So 
Thank you, Mustachio, for coming on OG Fixer. Yeah. I mean, from episode one, man. I love it. Yeah. Old school. We're also old now and lumpy. I'm not lumpy. All right. Maybe I'm just old now and lumpy. <laughs> okay. All right. Why don't we stay I'm tuned next week on. when we will. Your nipple is like a, a shade of pink I've never seen. Well, that one's always in. <laughs> and they're inverted, which if you get hit real hard on, on the back, do they just they just, do they spring back out? All right. I am off track. Uh, tune in next week. Uh, we will be fixing another movie in these weird quarantine times. I don't know what that is. No, um, no we'll figure it out, though. We'll have another episode for you. You love it. Maybe. All right. Bye, everybody. Do girls ever say, like, oh, he's got such beautiful eyes? He, he looks like Steve Buscemi. <laughs> I actually like how you say his name. It sounds very exotic, like Steve Buscemi. <laughs>